Welcome to episode three of Should Have Been a Cowboy. I'm Andrew Himes. And I'm Philip Dune. So Oklahoma State wins 35 points to the better over Tulsa. Came in as a 17-point favorite. They put 59 points on the board, and they drop one spot in the AP poll. Seriously? Are you kidding me right now? I was 59-24 over a team that they were a 17-point favorite against, and everybody was saying, well, it could be even closer than that. They win by 35, and they get jumped in the AP poll. And don't move in the coaches' poll, by the way. Yeah, that was absolutely shocking. I mean, and the offense came out, and you saw all these other top teams who were struggling to start the first half, and like Ohio State and some other teams didn't even start to really get it going until the second half, and OSU, was the, the offense was a well-oiled machine. And it's Just, not like the defense was bad. You know, you see they gave it, up 24 points, but really they handed them 10, literally handed yeah, them the, 7 on the Jalen McCleskey fumble. The D allowed only 14 points. Game. So, yeah, 14 points in the game, and really, really, it was just seven because the the last touchdown was against the second and third team guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so when you get deep in the second half, you have so many backups playing that you kind of have to throw some of those stuff, some of those stats out. But um, yeah, the the defense. Well, the most concerning thing for me was for the defense was the third down. They were um, Tulsa was 16 out of 26 on third down. Yeah, um, overall. And that was the most concerning thing because one thing about OSU's defense over the past years is they've been able to get to third down really well, but then all of a sudden they allow a third down, a first down play on on the third down. So it's hard to get off the field when you keep, keep allowing those first downs. So the 16-26 was probably the one really concerning point for me. Right. It, but that's a concern, but you know that that's a a quarterback that they're not knowing what to expect from, and they're trying to prevent the big play. I don't know that they really counted on him to scramble for ten yards on third down every time. Now that being said, they'll face more running quarterbacks in in their schedule, so they're gonna have to be they have to figure that out. But I think they were more concerned about not allowing them to go seventy yards, but they'd allow them to go eleven, and mm-hmm. keep their defense on the field. Yes. Well, um, you talked about a quarterback we had discussed who their starting quarterback would be. And they had, they started Chad President. Yep. Who, now, I was curious because he played a few um, a few downs and then Luke Skipper came in for a couple, time, for a couple of um, times down the field. And neither one of them got anything going early. And I was wondering, did you think they had that plan on throwing them both out there or starting President, seeing if he could do anything, and then if he couldn't, bringing Skipper in. I think their plan was to play both of them because I think they legitimately didn't know which one gave them a better shot. And I think as the game wore along, you know, you said neither of them were really doing anything special, but I think President mm-hmm. had a better command. And he was he was the one who was running it more effectively. Um, he may not be the most talented. Luke Skipper may be more talented, but I think President, this is his third year in the system. So there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and I think that's why he eventually was the guy who went the whole way. Now, neither of them were effective, and President ends up handing Kenneth Edison Magruder an 82-yard fumble return later in the game. So, you know, it wasn't like 
it wasn't like it was an easy decision and President was moving him up and down the field and scoring points at will, but against their conference opponents, maybe he will do that. Yeah, like you said, President, especially after Skip, really early on, President looked a little lost, but then after Skip in, and then or left, and then President came back in, he looked like he was more in control. Yeah. He was able to run for first downs and was was playing more within himself than Luke Skipper was. Yeah, which but. comes with experience. And like I said, this is his mm-hmm. third year. He played a little bit as a true freshman, sat out last year as a uh, with an injury, and comes back and is the first guy out there. I don't know if he's necessarily won the job yet, but he was the first guy out there and played most of the way. So I'd say that it's a safe bet, at least for the next few games, that Chad President will be the be the quarterback. What a great name. Don't you oh, your last name awesome. President? Yes. Um, <laughs> One thing that I thought was not humorous at the time, but kind of telling, was one of our earlier podcasts, I don't know if it was the second one out of, you know, our two podcasts we've done so far, um, <laughs> you had mentioned that McCleskey does a really good job of, of, like, ripping the ball out of the air. He just goes out and catches it. And then you made a comment about, yeah, it scares me on punch returns. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second – and then the second – that ball, he he went to get that ball on that punch return, and it just humble. I I thought Andrew he he knew what he was talking about <laughs> because McCleskey messed that up. Yeah. In fact, he and he um he didn't really do anything because he had that play, and then he had a um didn't he have a did he have a, did he have a catch? One catch for minus yeah, for two loss. yards. Okay, I was thinking that he had a catch for a loss. Yeah. So he was probably the one who could could definitely afford to improve a little before next week or before this Friday. But I thought that was quite telling that you had made that comment, and then that and then and then I was shocked because he I I thought I wasn't sure if he'd be out there the next time they did the punts, and he and he went back out there. Yeah. You know, if you look at the two deep, uh, Dylan Stoner is the next the next punt returner listed. I'm surprised it's not Tyron Johnson because mm-hmm. whenever he touches the ball, you know, the, the crowd gets on its feet because something's going to happen. And, you know, it's either going to be a touchdown or it's going to be negative 13 yards on the return, but something's going to happen. Um, it it didn't take long for Tyron, Tyron Johnson to show us what he had. Yeah. I mean, the the first the first series, he got that t- that was it thirty three yards that touchdown catch. Forty four, I think. Forty four. Yeah. It was a thirty three yarder. I don't remember which one got the thirty three yarder, but yeah, he got he got that long touchdown catch, and then he had um what he he caught the ball, but what since it was behind the line of scrimmage, kind of as a run where he went to the other side of the field for like eleven yards. I almost got Mason Rudolph killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but he um. He's dynamite whenever he gets the ball. That's they they're probably gonna figure different as many ways as they can to get him the ball because he's gonna make some something exciting happen. Yeah, you know I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to how they did their rotations at at receiver whether they were doing three in three out or if they were subbing guys in one at a time, but like he's at least for the first game he was listed number two on the depth chart behind. James Washington, and that's where he was in when he caught the touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. Do you think that 
you know, they, they want to have guys like they want to have one of those two guys out there at all times, or would they rather have both of them out there at the same time if they're going to go through like a regular rotation like that? I think with those two guys, I think they want to have as much together as possible. But I, I also, I, I think it's, it's hard to say. I think it's a combination of both because they want them together as much as they can be because you have to guard both those guys. And it's, as we can see, it's very difficult to guard either of them. But I think also when one, I think kind of like what the Thunder did with um, Russ and KD, um, where one would go, where they would stagger as yeah. well. So I think they're going to, um, I think they're going to be as much as possible together, but then stagger as well and have either Johnson or Washington out. Because those, it's with them, with both of them on the field, it's hard to know how to cover both of them and cover well. What are you thinking if you're the one deep safety in the defense and you look to one side of the field, you see James Washington, and the other side of the field, you see Tyron Johnson, and you're like, I mean, it doesn't matter where I go, they're going to score. That's, they're going to score no matter where I go. It's, a, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, early on I tweeted out about Washington – it was a play on the president, and I said, "Our president is better than yours," <laughs> because um, because that was especially at the time the Chad president was not doing quite as well as he did a little later in the game yeah. when they finally scored. But um, you talked about um, how the safety felt, and I was wanting to talk about. I don't think I've ever seen Ramon Richards look as comfortable as I did on Sat on um, Thursday. Yeah, he he was hitting well. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He was in the right spots. Yeah. And I, I think we had talked about that him moving to safety was a good thing for him. And I think he looked really good on Thursday. Yeah. Maybe even better than we thought because, you know, he hadn't played safety before this year. So mm -hmm. you, you would have imagined there'd be a little bit of a learning curve, but man, he looked, he looked really good. Trey flowers looked good. Kenneth Edison Magruder looked good. You know, the, the line didn't get a whole lot of pressure, and obviously they gave up those quarterback runs, but mm -hmm. uh, there was still I, – I was impressed by the defensive interior, particularly depth-wise. You know, you bring yes. in uh, – you start DeQuentin Osborne and Darian Daniels, and we've seen them make plays over their last couple of years in the program. But then uh, Enoch Smith, who was uh, first at Michigan State and then went to junior college before he got, got to Oklahoma State, he, he was on the second team. He did really well. Uh, Trey Carter is uh, making the transition from end. And then Billy Levini, he can play either end or on the interior. So I think those guys uh, were were impressive, even though they didn't really – they didn't ma necessarily make any big plays, but I thought they were mm -hmm. solid in what they did. Yes. And we, all, we had also talked about that TU's offensive line was their strength. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have an all-conference guy at center. And then I think four out of their five were turning starters. Yeah. So their strength was the offensive line. So, I mean, they, so the defensive line didn't get the push that they, we would have liked to see. But I saw some positive things out of them. So we'll, we'll see. Because, like, I think it was after the game. Um, I decided for some reason to listen to the commentators talk after the game. And I think it was Robert Smith. I don't know if you listen to this, but he had said, they were talking about how do you feel about 
OSU's chances after the game? Have they improved? Do you think have they increased their chances, or are they going lower in your mind? And Robert Smith said that he feels less about OSU after that game because of the because the defensive line didn't get any push. Yeah, and I and I saw some positive things out of them. I mean, obviously they didn't get the push that we wanted to. But they well, were they were able to do some things, and the offensive line of Tulsa was their one of their biggest strengths. Right, there's always something you can find that a team could have done better. And yeah. you know, if he's going to pick on the defensive line for not getting any push, well, whatever. You know, that's that is what it is. Because when you get into the Big Twelve, it's less about getting pressure on the quarterback and more about preventing the big plays. You know, it's mm-hmm. more about how your team is covering downfield. And if you if you're making a quarterback tuck and run, you know in the Big Twelve that's almost a win because mm-hmm. you, there's less of a chance that a quarterback's going to go sixty yards on you than he is if you give him time to to throw to an open receiver. So mm-hmm. you know I I can't speak to their strategy or anything like that or whether they were um, really focusing on getting pressure or just not breaking contain, but. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that was a big concern going forward. I'd like to see more. Obviously, you'd always like to see more pressure on the quarterback, even if you're getting five sacks a game. But you know, it's not a. I don't think it's a cause for concern, especially when the team's putting up 59 points and easily could have put up 70 if the uh, if the starters had stayed in the whole time. Oh yes. Well, and I would even add because we always talking about how we want more push and more quarterback pressure, and. I want to, and I and I would like to add. I would like to see more quarterback pressure without having to blitz, with yeah. just the with just the defensive line, because it's easy to get a lot of quarterback pressure if you're having to blitz all the time. So yeah, with with the with the five up front is where I would really like to see, where we would always like to see more pressure. No matter how much how well they do, you want them to do better. Okay, and here's my here's my question. This has been my issue with Glenn Spencer, the entire time he's been there. Everybody. You know, there's there's a lot of dichotomy with Glenn Spencer because, on the one hand, he has led the defense on teams that have been highly successful, the most successful teams that OSU's ever had. He's been the leader mm-hmm. of the defense. But his defenses also tend to give up uh, more yards, and you can say that's because of the high-powered Big 12 offenses, but, you know, whatever. When you force a team into a third-and-long situation – you have done what you wanted to do on first and second down. But every time they get into a third and long situation, they change out personnel. And they go to a three-standing defensive line package in the middle of the field is wide the stupid open. Mm-hmm. Why? Why don't you just keep doing what got you to the third and long situation instead of pulling your guys off the field and putting other guys on there and leaving 20 yards of open space in the middle of the field? I don't understand. That is a good question. I um, was hoping it would be a question that I'd be like, I have the answer to that because I was going to throw it back at you. <laughs> but <laughs> I, have, I have zero idea because you would want to do whatever got, whatever got you to that point. Yeah. But I have no idea. Whenever I was in college, um, we had Bill Clay as the defensive um, coordinator. Yeah, back on staff as an analyst, by the way. Yes, and he drove me crazy. Well, he drove a lot of OSU fans crazy, per se. <laughs> but he drove me crazy because whenever they would line up, the, def- the defensive backs would be like 
10 yards off the ball, 10 yards off of the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So the wide receiver all day long and for like five, 10 yards to pop <laughs> yeah, and just, and just like dink and dunk their way down the field. And yeah. that's kind of the same thing when you get to third down that I think you were talking about where they change it up completely and they're more off the ball and you leave the middle of the field wide open. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea why sometimes they do what they do. Well, and, you know, the other part about that is they go to that stand-up line where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one guy's in a in a stance and the other two are standing up or everybody's standing up. And, you know, that's a little bit of a give and take right there because, obviously, if you don't have to come up out of a stance, you're going to get more explosion to start mm-hmm. your push. But you're also yeah. a lot easier to block when you're straight up and down. You know, if you're not going under a block, trying to swim under a block, or, you know, coming up from from underneath a guy, you're a lot easier for the offensive line to block. So it's almost like they're giving up a little bit of push in hopes of getting a little bit more speed, and if they don't get the initial step, then they're just cooked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. I don't don't know why... um they changed that because if something works for first and second down, I think it would be helpful to stick with that. Stick and doing uh, that thing. Yeah. I, don't I mean, Tulsa was 16 out 20 down. So obviously something was going on because, because OSU was stopping them on first and second. And then they more often than not, they'd get the third down play. But I, I don't know. I was wanting to talk a little about, the running game Oof. that was that happened on Thursday. Oof. That looked good. It's really good. Justice Hill was shifty, was like we wanted him to be. And really the and last year he looked really good. And the only problem last year that happened was the, his fumbling issue. Yeah. And I took care of itself in the second half of the season. Yes. But, but early on that was really and I and I've all season last year, I kept thinking, if he shores up that, if he's able to stop the fumbling issue, he is a stud. Yeah. He has the moves, and he had um, 130, 132 yards, I think, on Thursday, and he looked good. And we had J.D. King and L.D. Brown, who all, both of them almost got 100 yards. Yeah, and both of them almost got all of it on one carry. <laughs> When you look back at the carry, it was a nice run, but the hole both of them ran through was huge. Yeah. So the offensive line did a good job on those plays. Um, but yeah. So, so on, on J.D. King's long touchdown, uh, I, I mentioned our first time out, I was in the middle of a high school football game watching the game. I was at, at OU because it's Norman mm-hmm. North and, and Norman High. And uh, so I'm watching in the press box at OU. And I look up as he's running down the field. I didn't see the start of the play. Uh, I just, I see him in the clear running for a touchdown. And he's carrying the ball up on his shoulder blade. And I Mm -hmm. was convinced it was just going to pop out of his hands. Like, because you could could see the nose of the ball over his shoulder when he was running. And I was like, man... He's running, and he's going to knock that thing against his shoulder pad, and it is going to go flying out of his hand, and he's going to be so embarrassed. (laughs) 
But fortunately, he's able to outrun everybody and get into the end zone before that happened. And I think he probably had better grip on the ball than it looked like he did. Yeah. But it was just, it was funny to me that I looked up, saw him running down the field, said, oh, hey, look, mm-hmm. that's J.D. King. He's going to score <laughs> or maybe lose the ball. <laughs> and overall, we were, we averaged nine yards a carry, rushing total. Yeah, helped out so, by a 71-yard run and a 73-yard run. So, you know, that is what it is, but. They earned those yeah. runs, too. Yeah, and Tulsa's running overall, I think, was like four yards carry. Yeah. So, did well. The, um, the, the most nervous I got, I mean, obviously, it was one of those games where you spend the whole, you spend the whole game just relaxed and right. enjoying it because there's no room to get nervous at all. But the, the, was the, um, but the most nervous that I, you could say that I might have gotten was when Rudolph threw the ball to Chris Lacey, I believe, and it almost got picked. It was Aitman. Yeah, oh, was it Aitman? I thought it was Chris Marcel Lacey. Aitman. That, uh, it almost, he almost jumped the route, and then Aitman runs like 40 yards to the okay. two-yard line and gets tackled. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I was thinking... snatched it the and ran down the sideline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He For some reason, I was thinking that was Lacey at the time. But yeah, they run so... that play with Lacey a lot. I think Aitman and Lacey are very similar physically. Uh, yeah. They run the same plays for both of those guys, and uh, that one was, that one was Aitman, and yeah, the the corner okay. almost jumped the route. Jumped and, the route, and, uh, and he ended up going, but I, I was sure he was going to pick it off. Yeah, and you know and, what? If they go the other way. That play, if they put that on instant replay, the OSU ran up to the line and scored on the next play, so it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. He might have scored on that play because he rolled over the top oh, of the yeah. guy who tackled him, and I'm not sure his knee ever touched before he got into the end zone. It may have. But uh, it, it looked to me like he scored on that play, but they, they didn't have time to, to review it, and it didn't matter anyway because yeah. Hill scored on the next play. Well, the thing is with the offense that we have, it, it's usually not going to matter. Whenever if, if they get a close zone and, and they scored but they don't count it, we'll probably get it in within the next three plays. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> More more often than not, I'm willing to say it probably won't matter. Right. But yeah. So and but that you know, was the oh, most... that's one thing that I've really liked over the last oh season and a half, maybe from uh, Mike Yursich, uh, is the variety of things that he calls around the goal line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen wide receiver screens around the goal line. We've seen uh, running plays, quarterback draws, uh, fade routes, back shoulder throws, even uh, the Dylan Stoner. Um, end around pass to Washington yeah. last year in Central Michigan. I mean, I, I love the variety that he goes with on the goal line because one of the things that really bothers me about NFL football, when they get inside the three, they are running up the middle every time because it's, for some reason, coaches always want to prove my guys are stronger than your guys instead of mm-hmm. finding the best way to get into the end zone. Yeah, it becomes a, it becomes a game more of power. Who, who's yeah. more powerful? Um, one thing that I, which OSU does and did on Thursday, one thing that I wish more teams would do is it bothers me. I mean, I guess it depends on where your quarterback is, but it bothers me when more quarterbacks don't do the quarterback sneak. <laughs> because I, if you need like an inch or even a yard, a quarterback, when you, whenever you hand the ball to a running back, you go back in the backfield two yards to give them the ball or, and, yeah. and when you're, and when it's um, the quarterback running, you start right there, so you don't have as long to run. Well, a lot and of I mean, can't I can't go under center anymore. That's that's definitely true. But 
I guess a lot of it also depends on who you have. Like if you have like Roethlisberger or Rudolph or someone who is a big quarterback, you have more of a yeah. chance of getting it in. But I, I always want to. I always yell at the team, whether it's NFL or college, to do the sneak because <laughs> that I I always think that has more of a chance of getting in than handing it two or three yards in the backfield. Yeah. But you know they they don't always listen to me, and I, I'm not I'm not a coach. I'm just sitting on my couch watching the game. So maybe <laughs> maybe I should let them coach their players. Yeah, you know that's <laughs> what they get paid millions of dollars to do. <laughs> that's that's true. Um, let me think what else is on the time of possession. Tulsa had the ball about 37 minutes, and OSU had it about 23. Jeez, give or take. So they had about. 12 to 13 minutes, the ball longer than us, than OSU did. Um, but, I mean, OSU had those big plays. Yeah, which that's they fine had... as long as the game is out of hand and you can get your starters out on defense. Yeah. You don't want to have a close game with those kind of splits because your first-team defense is going to wear themselves out. And that makes a difference over the season. You know, it may not make a difference in the game, but, you know, come week 10, 11, that's, those guys are going to be worn down if they have to play that many plays. Yeah, but I mean that that that's also what you get in the Big Twelve. That's why a lot of times the Big Twelve is so high scoring because you have such quick strike offenses mm-hmm. that the defense has to go out on the field. Like we had, I don't know how many plays over thirty yards OSU had to score a touchdown. But it seemed every time they had the ball, they would yeah. <laughs> make a long run or a long. Well, they had at least four touchdowns that were over. 40 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a stat today on Twitter that Mason Rudolph in the last year and a game, I guess, has thrown more passes of 70 plus yards than he has interceptions. Wow. He has five well, he passes had, how... of 70 plus yards and four interceptions. Yeah. How many picks did he have last year? Four. He had four? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing we forget about Whedon is I think his last year he had eleven. Yeah. Or he had his he he always threw quite a few picks. And we seem we forget about that when we talk about him as a quarterback for OSU. But um I like I like that. I mean he did lose that fumble. Right. In the game on Thursday, which he was just trying to make too much happen. He was trying to make something happen and it just got out of his hand and into the Tulsa guy's hand, which led to the field goal, I believe. Yeah, it led to the field goal and uh, heads-up play by Dylan Stoner to get mm-hmm. back and make the tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, one thing I was thinking during this game, and that kind of brings it up, is I've seen a lot of OSU games, and I've watched a lot of OSU games where obviously the guys were happy whenever another player did a good play. I don't think – I mean, maybe I was just seeing things. I don't think I've ever seen a team so exhilarated, so thrilled whenever somebody else did well as they did on Thursday. Yeah, Because they would, they would get a long touchdown pass or a long run or a good stop. And the whole team, it seemed, was jumping up and down screaming. Well, which is good because uh, there's only one football. And as we <laughs> pointed out, there's a lot of skill players on offense. So – Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, a, you, you, if there's you a can't be. That's not good. Yeah, you can't have a. Obviously, you have a 
ego if you play football, but you can't be so egotistical that you want the ball every time. There's, you can't be a prima donna on this offense because there are too many players that will get the ball. Yeah. But that's just, to me, at least a low-golf team, that's showing me what kind of a team it is and that they kind of they want the you know the greater good. They, they just want to win the game, and whoever makes the play, they're thrilled. And that was a positive thing for me when I was watching the game on Thursday. But, but that was that was a good game. Do you have any other thoughts about the game that you were, that you were wanting to talk about? Um, I mean, I'm I'm jazz now, so mm-hmm. let's let's not go to South Alabama and ruin it. <laughs> okay, would you would you say that after the game on Thursday, are your expectations higher now? Are they lower or about the same that they were before the game? Uh, slightly higher. Um, not too much higher because I think that's what I expected would happen in that game. Uh, something mm-hmm. in the 50 to 20 range. But the ease with which they did it, I thought it may have been more of a pull away in the second half kind of score yeah. and less of a jump on them from the start type of score. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the result was pretty much what I expected, but the fact that they came out and instantly were on top 14 to nothing uh, was the most impressive part of that game. And, you know, there's just, there's so many weapons on this team offensively. I would say the same thing. I, the first game I always expect to maybe start out a little slow, kind of get some of the bugs worked out that, or some of the nerves that they might have at the beginning of the game. Um, this whole season, we're going to be comparing it to probably to 2011 because that's how going into the season. Yeah. Um, and the first game of the 2011 season, it took them a while. Mm-hmm. They scored, I don't know, they, they had like their 21 points at the end of the second quarter or like a, quite a few minutes in as opposed to this year's OSU team where it was like the first seven minutes of the game it was 21 nothing. Yeah. So I was, I was jacked that we were able to get a touch, get a touchdown so quickly. I was excited that it was Tyron Johnson because I was looking forward to seeing him yeah. play. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, I can't say that it was a lot higher like you can't because I was expecting this game to go well, and I was expecting the season to go really well. So, it's definitely not lowered. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, definitely not lower expectations. But I'm. I'm pretty excited. They started out a well-oiled machine, which is all I could ask for on the offensive side. You know who didn't? Who did not? Texas. I was wanting to talk about Texas. And actually, I was wanting to to talk a little bit about Texas A&M and Baylor (laughs) as well. All good options. (laughs) Okay, my question to you. The most devastating loss... You can even say the most embarrassing loss if you wanted to. Who do you think got the most embarrassing loss? Was it Texas, who lost to Maryland? A&M, who they were winning by, was it 34 points? Uh, and yeah, ended up least, losing. I know it was 44 to 10 at one point, so yeah. I th- Yeah, 34 points. Or was it Baylor, who lost to you know the powerhouse known as Liberty? 
Um, who do you the, think had the most embarrassing loss? The most embarrassing loss is Baylor because of the opponent. The most devastating loss is A&M. Um, because of the way they lost? Because of the way they lost. Uh, you know, you can't lose to Liberty. You, mm-hmm. you absolutely cannot lose to Liberty. And, you know, Baylor is in such a tough spot as far as, like, this coaching change goes because they have a bunch of players who were recruited to play in Art Bryles' system, and now they're being asked to play in a Matt Rule system that's mm-hmm. so much different. Now, of course, that doesn't include the quarterback who's a grad transfer from Arizona, uh, who was the quarterback on that Arizona team that beat OSU in 2012, by the way. Okay. Um, you know, so he's a he wasn't necessarily recruited to play the the Art Bryles style, but everybody else was. But even so, you can't give up forty eight points and lose to Liberty. That's inexcusable. Um, now the the Texas A and M thing, I, I you know Texas A and M, I don't think they're very good, um, and they lost their quarterback to injury, and that's kind of why they took a nosedive offensively. But and Josh Rosen in UCLA. They're pretty good, mm-hmm. and it took them a while to wake up, obviously. Uh, and it was a great finish to that game, but yeah, that's the most devastating loss because when you're up by that margin, mm-hmm. you 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 turn it off and go home, like that's game's over. But boy, and that's... honestly, the A and M game, I went to bed before the game was over. I went to bed. I think A and M was winning by however many points. Yeah, and I was like, I'm. I'll see what what the score is in the morning. And I saw all these tweets about the game. That, Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. And the thing about A and M is not only did they did they allow them to come back after winning by so much, but there were times of the game where they were rubbing it in. Well, they're A&M, where, like, of course they were. Yeah, yeah. Well, like the A and M guy scored, and he went back, and like one of the coaches gave like a stick to him, and he started strutting on the sideline. I don't know if you saw that uh, uh-uh. the gif that was going around about that. No, but no, he was he was strutting on the sideline and everybody was like cheering him on after he scored, and it was like, "Are you kidding me?" And then and then seeing the end result and you're like, "Well, I hope he enjoyed his moment in the sun." Yeah. <laughs> after that play, the thing about it about who's the most embarrassing, because if I had to think about it, I would automatically think Baylor because of who they lost to. But Texas lost to Maryland, who Maryland's not very good. No. And Texas Texas is in the top twenty five and expected not by not by a lot of people to do well, but expected to do much better than they have been with Tom Herman at the helm. Yeah, and so I would that's not be really willing their to fault. say that I know, but I, I would be willing to say that that's a little bit up there. They're at least trying to give Baylor a run for its money yeah. on the most um, embarrassing. But, yeah. Well, the, um, and here's the, the deal. Texas, Texas is going to wake up at some point. Yeah. They're not going to have a great season, but they are going to wake up, and they're going to figure out how to run that offense. Because there were times during that game where they were moving the ball. Yeah. They couldn't score but they were moving the ball. I was surprised at how ineffective they were running the ball. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that'll, that'll get better. They'll figure out their passing game because they have some huge receivers that are scary. Uh, so they'll get better, and I just hope it takes them a while to get better. 
because you don't want to be the one that loses to a team that's a laughing stock. Yeah, that's definitely true. But that game, I, I did, I did watch that whole game, and it was surprising to say the least. But yeah, those um, those three Texas schools did not have the best weekend. No. It's not sad when Texas weekend. Tech has to carry the banner for the state. <laughs> or TCU. Or TCU, yeah. TCU, TCU plays pretty well. But yeah, those, those two schools aren't usually the ones that you think of when you think of Texas football. <laughs> um, are there any thoughts? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. South Alabama game. I did not look into them. I, I know, I know they played Ole Miss this weekend. Yep. And um, it was a close game for a while. Yeah, relatively close. It was tied uh, midway through the second half, tied at ten. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I didn't watch the game or anything like that. But obviously, Ole Miss pulls away in the end. They won it by twenty. They won forty-seven, twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, South Alabama scored two. Uh, late touchdowns in the fourth quarter to kind of crawl back to within 20 points. And Ole Miss, mm-hmm. probably not very good. But, no, you know, the weird Friday night good. game on the road for, for OSU. So, it's you know, it's not one of those where you can just walk in and win. But if they play anywhere close to the way they played yeah. against Tulsa, they should win pretty comfortably. Oh, yeah. You would hope. I mean, you would think with me wanting to talk about the game and about OSU – I would have looked up South Alabama stats, but I just didn't. <laughs> I thought I don't really care about. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that um, I'm expecting OSU to just dominate. I mean, I would be shocked if they don't. Yeah. So. Um, let's so see. I'm, they they went 204 yards passing, 170 yards rushing. Okay. Uh, the quarterback pretty much did everything. Um. He scored two rushing touchdowns. He threw one touchdown pass, didn't throw a pick. So he's a he's an experienced quarterback. His name's Garvin. Okay. Um, so, you know, the fact that the quarterbacks had some success against OSU mm-hmm. for Tulsa may give you a little bit of pause there. But, you know, he's a returning starter from last year and um, didn't throw the ball a whole lot last year. In fact, almost... Uh, almost had half of the amount of yards in this game than he had all of last season. But, you know, he will he may give you some trouble, but if you are who you think you are, you ought to win this game by multiple scores. Yeah. I'm, I'm just ready to get past this game so we can go back to playing on Saturdays. No kidding. <laughs> go, back, go back to the Saturday format. But um, I, yeah, we should, we should win by quite a few. Um, they played well for the most part, a lot of the Ole Miss game, but like you said, Ole Miss, I'd be willing to say it's not very good this year. Um, so I, I'm expecting it to be, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's not an exciting game. Yes, and, and I as well. We, we win rather handle, handily. As I again will be doing a high school football game and not able to watch live. So, so you really want to go back to Saturdays. I do. I really want to go back to Saturdays, and I really need it to be a non-competitive game by the first by the end of the first quarter, so that I can concentrate on what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't. We won't be at OU this week, so I won't have the opportunity to watch it on TV because I okay. think I don't think Mustang High School has TVs in the press box for me. I don't think they do either. 
I could watch on my phone, not, maybe, but not not that I know of. I mean, I don't hang out in high school press boxes, so I have no <laughs> idea who has a TV and who does not. They're happening places, man. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, just in general. I guess not. I mean, we covered Actually, everything, so. I was about to. Um, there was one thing that I found interesting. Um, Gandhi's press conference this week. He talked about Adrian Baker. Yeah. And that apparently he he was not healthy, or he was getting better in the health department. Yeah, I guess he's still and, trying to work his way back off. Yeah. That ACL. And this and this week he's on the three deep. He's on the, he's thirteen. Yeah. On this week's depth chart. But I just want because we were we, that was one of the shockers that we talked about last week. So I was wanting to bring that up that apparently he was not healthy. So that is that. Um. I do want to say that we are now on iTunes. We're moving on up. So, um, yeah, listen to us on iTunes. Um, Give us a rating. A four or five star would be wonderful. If you think we deserve a one or two, we'll be okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) If you think we deserve a one or two, don't rate us. But if you think we deserve a three or four, go ahead. we also, and Andrew, I don't know if you know this. You might have seen it. We also actually are on Twitter now. Yes. At Cowboy Pod. Good. Um, should have been a cowboy is too long to fit. I see. <laughs> so it's at Cowboy Pod. Um, look for us on Twitter. Right now, I mean, we just started. So right now we have a grand total of like seven followers. Um, hopefully by next week we'll have eight is my goal. So um, <laughs> Small step. So listen to. Yeah, listen to us on iTunes. We're also on Podbean, which is like the home one where I um, upload it to, and it goes to iTunes if you want to listen to it there. So we're on iTunes. Give us a rating, and we're at um, we're on Twitter at, at @cowboypod. So that's my the last part I have to say. And we will be back next week talking about the South Alabama game and previewing the Pittsburgh game. Oh boy. We didn't talk about Pittsburgh. What did you say? They went to overtime with Youngstown State. They did. They did. I see. I I was paying attention to the game, but Pittsburgh wasn't even on my mind when I was this last um, weekend. No, it was all. They'll get a much stiffer test this week. They play Penn State this week. Penn State, yeah. So So that'll that'll be kind of a litmus test to see how good they are this week. So we'll probably we'll talk about. The South Alabama game, we'll talk about the Pittsburgh game. We'll probably talk about the Pittsburgh-Penn State game a little. Yep. And, Andrew, I will talk to you later, buddy. Sounds good. Bye.